0: The sales tool side of things is not as powerful as the relationship side and more and more companies need to start getting into content creation. So I see a huge shift from we're making a lot of sales because we have great sellers to we're making a lot of sales because we have educating and entertaining content that we're releasing online.
1: Welcome to the making sales social podcast featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. The sales doctor, Chet Lovgren, is joining us today in the Social SalesLink virtual studios for this episode of Making Sales Social. Chet helps companies develop their sales talent from SDRs to AEs and even to frontline managers. He created the Sales Doctor program as a way to help provide education and insight to individuals and their companies looking for a remedy to their revenue problems. Chet is a certified keynote speaker and sales trainer. He also hosts the Sales RX podcast, which you can stream from the usual suspects in podcasting platforms. In fact, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you'll probably find his podcast as well. So let's get to the prescription for messaging consistency
0: in sales from Chet Lovegren. Welcome to Making Sales Social, Chet. Yeah, Bob, thanks. Excited to be here happy to have a good chat and uh interested in some of the questions that we're going to walk through today sounds good sounds good so so let's
1: get uh so let's get rolling like a barrel down a hill right into those questions uh with the first one being and this is a traditional one that we ask for everyone so kind of hot seat but probably not what does making sales social mean to you
0: yeah it's it's one that i love i think when people say social selling they're like oh go post on linkedin And it's just errant and there's no intention behind it. Uh, Let's start a B2B podcast. Like there's just no intention behind it. And I think people need to understand that first and foremost, a lot of trains of thought on this one about, you know, people do business with people they know, people do business with people they love better, like all that kind of stuff. And some people say that's not true. Some people say it is true. It, It doesn't really matter. And it doesn't really matter because you just want to draw a connection. Whether you believe that it's because people end up liking you. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. People watch my content. Sometimes they say I'm a little aggressive or I'm thinking a little too old school. I like to think I'm old school, new school. Like we should still hustle, but we should also be empaths, right? That doesn't resonate with everyone. I'm kind of middle of the road. I don't go full like new age, Gen Z. Everybody deserves a participation trophy. I'm not like old school, toxic, make a million dials a day, hit your number and get fired. I'm kind of have like a healthy middle ground. You know, I expect respect. I'll accept no, but I need you to justify why. Like I I have some of those old school concepts with the new school um, approach as well. So I know that I'm not everyone's cup of tea, but when I get on a call with a VP of sales, who's in their fifties and says, I saw that video you did about setting expectations for future communication with your prospects in, in the discovery call for follow-up. And that was so cool. How you did, did it, I go, TikTok's not just a dancing app for teenagers, you know what I'm saying? When I yep. get a door-to-door B2B solar salesperson who wants to join one of my entry-level seller boot camps or programs that we offer from a consumer sales side, right? Not a not VBA mm-hmm. sales looking to train their people, just an individual looking to get better because they saw something I posted on YouTube shorts and they drew that connection and that resonated with a struggle that they were having. That's what making so- sales social is about to me and the benefit of it. It's not post a picture of your dog, talk about your day, post any happy anniversary thing to your wife who might also be on LinkedIn and tag them as well. That's cool. Like let people get to know you. But I think about catching people where they're already trying to entertain themselves and having that content pop up because people do search for tips and educational Mm -hmm. things on TikTok and YouTube specifically outside of just LinkedIn allows you the opportunity to get eyeballs on what it is you're doing, what you're talking about and the problem you solve. Great example, the plumber that I use my house has videos on TikTok about how to do simple things that normal plumbers would charge you a $99 house call for because right. he knows I don't want your $99 house call business. I want your $500 plumbing emergency on a Saturday night, which I've had to use him for in a, a month ago <laughs> when something happened in our dishwasher. And all of a sudden my wife's like, I like screaming while I'm in the other room doing something. And there's just <laughs> flooding going on in our kitchen. I'm like, what do I do at Saturday at 8 p.m.? Oh, I'm going to call this guy. So I think of the same way we talk about product led growth. What about social led growth? I'll give you the little tip. That's going to help you increase your ARR by 3% this quarter, because I want you to be successful and then go, we need to increase our ARR by 10%. And then they call chat. So that's, that to me is the beauty of social media and how we can make selling social is by not just creating a connection personally to people, but creating a connection to the actual things that they're selfish about—they want to get better at their job, they want to advance in their career—all those fun things—and social media allows us the platform to do that.
1: Yes, yeah, definitely about creating creating value and and delivering that information in in a way that promotes—and I'm putting promotes in 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 air quotes—but I mean, you know, people people need to feel like that you're the expert in your field. How do you do that? You provide value and if you're providing value on the little stuff they should be able to feel like what you just said this person can really help me when i'm in a bind because they've already proven that they are the expert in their field to me
0: Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree
1: absolutely absolutely so um I mentioned that you help companies develop talent from SDRs to AEs and frontline managers, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit already. But uh, can you uh, go a little further into the challenges B two B salespeople face at different stages of their careers and how you address them? You've already talked a little bit about that beginning person who's going from door to door and and you know doing doing the literal cold calling. If you could kind of kind of segment that out a little bit more.
0: Yeah. So I think my offering is kind of twofold. There's what I would call like a consumer side to it where individuals want to join a certain program that fits with where they're at in their career or they want one on one coaching. You know, we all know that you make more money in B2B, so obviously my B2B offerings for companies and sales teams and try and teach CSMs how to upsell better and have sales conversations that's more, more fruitful, but I still like doing the individual side of things as well. We have some group coaching stuff. We have some, I have some personal one-on-one coaching. If people want to come out of the pocket for it, that charges strictly because of my time. But let's say, let's, let's break it down for tech sales specifically. Say you're an SDR and you want to get to AE, How do you get there? It's not just about hitting your quota. I know a lot of SDRs who have gotten promoted, 132 that have run through my program, for example, who have been promoted in less than 12 months, and maybe only 20 of them actually hit 100% of quota month over month over month over month. Because most smart sales leaders know that the SDR job is virtually impossible with the quotas that are set. It is most SDR yeah. teams don't hit quota. It's not because of the economy. It's because the quotas are pretty unrealistic and the dollars needed to actually make sense or why we create those quotas, but most people don't hit them. They just don't. Um, it's why when I see somebody on LinkedIn, who's just broke into the SDR world and they're like, I'm hitting 182% of quota. I'm like, what are you doing unethically? Because that's, it's just, <laughs> I've done this long enough to know, unfortunately. So yeah. It's tough to bring receipts and I get that, but there are a lot of things you can do outside of just hitting quota that make you a viable candidate for moving into the AE role. So as a sales leader, not only do you want to see someone who's at least competent at the job that they're in, but there's the optic side of it, the game playing side of it, of how do you be the person that when somebody says, we're thinking of promoting Chet to AE, everybody goes, no brainer. Even if he's only hitting 85% of his annual quota, that's the person that should take this junior AE job that we have. But also how do you get some practice on the AE stuff that you're going to have to do. What is the difference between a qualification call and discovery call? And how can we at least get you thinking in that mindset and actually get you some opportunity to try that out? What is the difference between uh, essentially pipeline management from targeting accounts to working with current opportunities? How does that differ? So when they walk into the program, they're certified through the Sales Doctor SDR to AE program to actually go I have like baseline, like kind of like the tech sales boot camps that get them into SDR because they've gone through those. I have baseline understanding of what I'm gonna need to do, some practice, some training. So you're getting somebody that's 30 to 40% accelerated than if you just promote an SDR who didn't have that stuff. So it's threefold. One, how do we get you better at being an SDR? Two, how do we get you at understanding how to manage your promotion, optically play the game, all those fun things? And then three, how do we get you some tactical practice? At being an ae and some understanding and foundational knowledge of that then they become an ae next step is ae acceleration and then we have like personal growth and professional growth habit training programs that we have as well so that's all on the individual side the company side it's typically twofold. there's short-term engagements which is like hey i have a great strategy in place but my sdrs and aes and frontline managers aren't hitting on it great here we come we can do a skill boot camp work with you maybe it's a one-day workshop maybe it's an sko in-person event type thing then there's longer term engagements where companies typically go, hey, we need that. But also, I don't think my strategy and my, ex- my for the execution is actually correct. And that's more of like what you think of traditional consulting, fractional leadership, possibly type right. stuff. I always say at parties, I say consulting is a broad term. But essentially, in my experience, companies that have a sales team are good at hiring people. They're not typically good at making those people great at the job, either because of a skill gap. Or because of a strategy gap that's hindering the execution and that's what we essentially want to solve and try to develop that talent because it's much cheaper to promote someone to ae or promote an ae to first-time manager than it is to go pay fair market value from someone outside the company who doesn't know your people your product your process the problem you solve all those things yeah and and i think that that
1: process that you discussed is important because i mean we know this being being in the business but but i think a lot of people don't realize that an sdr is is actually somewhat of a different scale, skill set as an ae and especially as a manager because sdr you qualify qualify AAE is really about building the relationships and then obviously manager mm-hmm. is management
0: yeah Yeah, totally different skill sets. I always say, though, I'd like to see a frontline manager go try to sell like an A.E. And I'd like to see an A.E. go try to set appointments like an S.D.R. Because that's funny because you kind of graduate into those newer roles. But the farther back you go down, the harder stuff is. I love management because I love leading teams. I love building culture. I love all the fun stuff that comes with management. But being an A.E. was a lot easier than being a frontline manager and then being a department head. Being an Mm -hmm. S.D.R. was a lot harder than being an A.E. But yet the AE job, you know what I mean? So it's weird how those yeah. things like coincide. It's actually yeah. like the I don't want to say lower on the totem pole because I don't want to like say somebody's yeah. job is not worthwhile. But yep. if if it wasn't, then everybody would love just being an SDR forever and they don't. So we can hypothetically say in that scenario, like the more responsibility or the more clout or the more benefit we get as we advanced our career to some extent the easier it is to do the job and the harder it is for those people to go back and do that previous job. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is, is yeah, quite no, interesting. Yeah, no,
1: absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So let's start getting into a little bit of 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 uh, branding and brand message and things like that. So with the emphasis on building lasting relationships and especially something that we talk about a lot here at Social Sales Link in, in this podcast, the importance of making human connections in sales. How do you think sales reps can maintain their personal brand's message consistency while at the same time adapting to their prospects' preferences? And how does this consistency resonate with potential clients?
0: So 75-plus companies I've worked with in three years, and I've never met one where sales and marketing weren't doing this. And for those that may be just listening, I'm smacking my two fists fully together. Um, It's And so... What do we do when we want to social sell? We say, we reps, go social sell. Go make LinkedIn posts about us. It's not reposting marketing's content on LinkedIn. It's not posting right. canned messages about your CEO releasing their book and now it's on Amazon. Here's my canned message we've been told to deliver. When we want to enable people to talk about our brand through their own personal brand on LinkedIn, Marketing needs to do a better job of creating that message consistency. Because what happens? Marketing creates a lot of great messaging, value propositions, brand guidelines, all this stuff. And then sales goes, yeah, nobody's going to read that. Let's make it actionable. And then sales enablement is in the middle going, playing mom and dad, trying to pick up the pieces between the two. <laughs> well, marketing saying this is within brand and their guidelines. Sales is saying nobody's going to read that freaking nine paragraph email what do we do now? We got to train people on how to do the sales job. So by creating more aligned metrics is the first one by also putting guardrails in place and a process. And specifically, there are tools out there now that exist like market made AI that allow people the ability to collaborate in real time to create consistent mm-hmm. messaging, to create consistent guidelines and put those guardrails in place. So you don't have reps going, Chat GPT, write me a LinkedIn blog post about blah, 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 blah. Then they get something that doesn't fit your brand, doesn't fit what marketing created. So there's, right, you know, Chris Voss says there's no such thing as compromise because that's a husband who wants to wear brown shoes. Wife wants him to wear blue shoes. And he walks out of the house with a brown and a blue shoe. And that never happens. What does he do? Yeah. He typically walks out with whatever his wife wants him to have. So I think it, you know, compromise is an interesting one when we evaluate, well, how does marketing let go of their love of their massive copy that they've created that's super on brand, very lengthy in content and then sales going, yeah, but let's pick it apart but also delivering something that's subpar that doesn't connect with our buyer because that's why outbound sales sucks right now because sales is being told the to right 50 word or less emails because that's what a software company says increases engagement when I know companies that are sending 200 word emails that are con- converting at a very high clip because those sure. companies are using a very, very tight knit aligned version of their email copy that was worked on with the CMO, the head of product marketing, the sales enablement manager, and the director of sales development. Because the director of sales development wasn't given all the marketing material and then made it actionable, and then sales enablement had to actually put it in practice. They all three worked together using collaborative methods to be able to go, we're okay with this. Hey, this has the right marketing jargon. It has the right value prop that we want to send to this buyer persona. Sales's feedback was appreciated and implemented in regards to, hey, let's not make it 500 words. Let's make it 200 words. Let's not add an interest. Let's not add a time-based CTA asking for time. Let's add an interest-based CTA because interest is infinite. Time is limited. People are always interest, have interest and curiosity. And then there's that push and take, right? Sales knows how to get people to pull the trigger. Marketing knows how to get people interested. And there needs to be that yeah. understanding. I don't pull triggers from any marketing emails. Maybe it's because I'm a sales guy. I don't know a lot of people who pull triggers from marketing generated stuff, but people will pull triggers on buyer persona specific content that's generated from marketing that is put in a way that sales makes it digestible and actionable, but there's no alignment there. There's just do what we want to do or do what we want to do. And there needs to be a more holistic approach where it's like, hey, here's the market research that's done at scale. We know what our buyer persona is. We know what the value prop is. Now let's add the sales psychology side of it, and then let's validate that with sales enablement as well to make sure we're training people in that way. Now you got reps that are making clear and concise posts on LinkedIn. They're creating content on TikTok and YouTube shorts showing exactly how this affects this buyer persona and why it's relevant for them to look at it instead of them just using canned messaging and having little to no results. And it's just spammy and everybody now scrolls past anything they say. Yeah,
1: exactly. And 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 I think that you brought up just just such a huge point as something that actually with social sales, like I I think have been have been pretty lucky with whenever we get brought into um, into corporations to to train their people is obviously we get marketing involved very very early in fact mm-hmm. a lot of times we're actually brought in by marketing and not by sales which which I think is interesting in and of itself because it shows me that those companies get it or that marketing those marketing people get it so i i i think that if if marketing and, and i think you could say this with most any b2b driven company if, if they get the social component and they understand that you need to give like actionable guidelines that salespeople can use and yet be able to put it into their own voice, yet have those guidelines for what it is they need to say, that there's so much more, not only is there so much more success, but there's so much more looking to up your linkedin game the social sales link team has you covered with our linkedin sales accelerator a guided social selling program that includes training coaching and so much more visit socialsaleslink.com in for more details again that's socialsaleslink.com in buy-in from the salespeople
0: in doing it in the first place. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sales work should be providing the framework. Marketing should be plugging the copy and then it should get refined by sales. Hey, here's the current state of this buyer persona. Here's the future state of this buyer persona. What does that look like? How is marketing through all their research and all the time that they've spent thinking about this? We're going to market with a new feature for CISOs. Okay. Okay. How does this feature's value prop and what the company does at a larger scale integrate as a reason for them to pull the trigger based on current state of CISOs and future state of CISOs and the buyer persona research you've done? And then we plug that in, and then we go, okay, well, unfortunately, we can't have our future, our current state framework line be four sentences long. How do we condense Mm -hmm. that down to a sentence or two, right? And it's ultimately it's just ego too. Like marketing doesn't like people picking apart their copy, sales doesn't like being told what to do, but you got to put that aside because we're living in a world where, like. Economy aside, I hate blaming the economy for stuff personally, because, I mean, yeah. I went on on my own full time at the peak of this awful economy end of last year. I'm not seeing the results personally, and I have a premium service, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's that we've aligned that stuff correctly. And I think this is why we're getting this awful outreach that we're getting. I have eight LinkedIn DMs probably right now that are, hello, sir. And it's da 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 da. You know what I mean? Something written from chat, GPT, instilled by a team. I mean, I'm telling you, like, it's, this is, I'm a firm believer that this is one of the key reasons outreach is so bad right now is because everybody's egos in it. And it's like, Hey, how about we put our egos aside? And we realize that if none of us make money, this is why we get laid off. This is like, what do we want? Do we want to put our ego aside and have a job for the next six months? Or do we want to battle on who owns what? And then I'll be laid off in three months, and just let our you know CEO just implement AI to do everything full time. <laughs> so That's yeah. what a lot of companies are doing. It's just fully AI automated with a yeah, a, a bot face. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, ex-
1: exactly. No one's uh, fewer and fewer people are writing with their own personalities anymore. They're copying and pasting out of ChatGPT. I, I think if anything, I mean, over the, the past couple of years, and especially after the pandemic, I mean, the number of just um, pitch, pitch emails and, and, and connect and pitches and things like that have gone way up on, on LinkedIn, I think it's actually worse now because of chat GPT because because these people are thinking that, you know, Oh, my God, this is the way to do it. And everything's going to be great. And they just do,
0: you know, copy and paste or whatever. And it sucks. Yeah. Jen and Allen, she delivers a great keynote, kind of uh, highlighting this book, The Sales Innovation Paradox. Zapier mm-hmm. is a great tool. It automates a ton of stuff for my content yeah. as an as a, uh, entrepreneur with marketing, from podcast workflows to all these things. But what it's also done is it's enabled Joe Schmo or Blandy Sandy to go and create some sort of LinkedIn automation that's flooding people's yep. dms with massive copy that nobody's going to read because it just goes read the person's linkedin profile it's telling chad gbt through his zapier integration to read this profile link when i click this button generate me an email based on this send it an email and send it in linkedin with a connection request and it's using some other sort of linkedin automation tool not going to name any names but to auto add and, and add a connection note or all these things and it's just like oh my gosh the tools that were meant for the good for people who actually had the use case have been, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, Avengers. I was watching Age of Ultron with my son and uh-huh. Tony's whole goal is to create a suit of armor around the world. And then the whole conversation as to why not do that is while that is a big benefit and something we need to protect ourselves from future alien invasions that we know nothing about. What if that falls in the wrong hands or who decides that you, Tony, are the one that has authority on what is good and what is bad and what should be destroyed and what should not be destroyed? And that's the same thing now. We see it in these tools. Zapier is great for all of us that had the use case that they created it for, but then a bunch of people took it and now are using it for bad. It's just, it's ruining it for everyone.
1: Exactly. And probably the first reference of any Marvel movie or Iron Man specifically in this podcast either. So congratulations.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm here to please.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, actually, my next question kind of kind of spins out of that. I, I do want to take a bit more of a thirty thousand foot view of B two B sales. Let's talk about the future, especially with this current state that we just built out um, with with the last question. Um, how do you see the future of B two B sales evolving, especially with the increased emphasis
0: on social selling and platforms like like LinkedIn? Um, well, it's a little terrifying actually being someone it's terrifying and exciting. I should say it's terrifying as someone who still comes from, I mean, my first sales job, I was opening up the yellow pages and making 300 dials by hand, writing my notes on a piece of paper. Right. And I'm, and I'm not even like, my age does not reflect that workload. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, we're talking, you know, I was in college making cold calls for a commercial insurance agent and it was, Hey, you get paid a hundred dollars a day. If you either book me five appointments or make 300 dials, you have to hit one or the other. Um, So it was like, you know, mad crazy. Now I look at everything that we have and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But I also realized that the sales tool side of things is not as powerful as the relationship side and more and more Mm -hmm. companies need to start getting into content creation. So I see a huge shift from we're making a lot of sales because we have great sellers. Two, we're making a lot of sales because we have educating and entertaining content that we're releasing online. And we're releasing yep. it online, not just for our LinkedIn audience to boost our LinkedIn company page or follow those vanity metrics, but to catch your average seller and sales leader that's browsing on TikTok in their personal time, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, things like mm-hmm. that. So I see a huge shift towards more media focus than sales enablement focus. I wouldn't be surprised if we started seeing companies tinker in, taking out 10 to 15% of their sales budget and putting that into a whole media budget with marketing and starting to do more in that regard. How do we partner with podcasts that already have an audience and maybe get some arbitrage there? I mean, every mother, everybody and their mother that's on LinkedIn that has over 10,000 followers has a newsletter. I get it. But there's still some visibility opportunities that happen for the people that are part of that big audience. I mean, it's a funnel, right? So maybe, like me, you know, you have you know three to eight thousand people at any given moment that are opening your newsletter. Maybe only five hundred of them will actually read it. Maybe thirty of them will be interested by the company that's sponsoring the newsletter in the masthead, and maybe twenty of those people will click the link. Maybe five of those people will convert. And if your historic close rate is twenty five percent benchmark, at least that's one deal. Right. And that one deal, if you get that kind of scale weekly, you're closing four deals a month from partnering with someone on a newsletter. You see what I'm saying? So I think there's going to be a big shift from sales enablement to marketing enablement through content and media. That's fascinating. That's, that's really fascinating. And yet I
1: can, I can most definitely see that. I mean, as everybody is becoming more and more media savvy all the time because we're frankly we're just being forced into it because it's the way that the world is nowadays and i mean being being in front of that i think is is really important and you know thankfully for people like me social ain't going away and um while, while we concentrate on on linkedin we do recommend you know um uh especially Instagram, we, uh, we have more than dipped our toe into, uh, into TikTok as well. And no, we don't dance on TikTok, but, um, you know, just being, um, you know, being there when the opportunity presents itself. And, you know, this is where the algorithms on, on those places work out because hopefully your stuff is servicing with the people who, you know, who have shown interest in this. And, you know, hopefully you will, you know, you'll appear to them at the right time
0: with a good piece of quality information and they'll want to check you out more. And it opens a whole new revenue stream. If and I myself think about this, I have my podcasts, I have some entertainment content. I have all the stuff I post to TikTok. What if I could 10X that? What if I had the funds to 10X that? And I almost have like a sales show, like a comedy sales show, kind of like what Corporate Bro did but maybe like a web series, like a 10 minute web series that I do. And we release episodes every week and we have different seasons. Not only do we have that, but then we have like uh, uh, like Kill Tony, the podcast where comedians get pulled out of a bucket and they go up, do 60 seconds of comedy and then the panel roasts them and judges them. And it's really funny and hectic and crazy, not a PC show. So don't use that as a judge of my character. It's just a show. (laughs) It's a show I know of that has a format. What if we did that for cold calling where we get cold callers to come up, you know, whether it's virtual or in person, we do a podcast or like there's so many different types of like entertainment, but also educating media that you could produce. What if then you became a company that also, in addition to what it does for your B2B sales, for whatever you're trying to accomplish, you're charging people a $10 a month subscription to your entertainment service that they can stream these episodes, stream this content, stream the podcast. Now you have a whole consumer side of things. Like if in the next year lavender does not take all the content that they're doing and keep creating it at scale and then basically charge people 9.99 a month to watch Lavenderland streaming service and all their content their shows their episodes and everything i would be surprised think about the revenue that could generate if you have you know ten thousand people that buy that streaming service and now you're the netflix for b2b sales and marketing right like it's just a, it's a wild concept but we're starting to see things like that with companies that are producing weekly LinkedIn lives. And then they have like a sales interview series. And then they're going to events and doing pranks even, and all these other things. People like that too. Like sales and marketers love, why did Silicon Valley, why was it such a great show? Because there are a bunch of people that work in tech that are like, this is what it's like working at a startup. It's amazing. I mean, the office, one of the greatest TV shows in the world was basically following office life. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there is a need for it. There's an opportunity for it. And I think more companies are going to move towards it because we like sales content. It used to be cheeky to make a sales show five years ago. People were like, oh, we don't want to watch a show about sales. We do that every day. Now people like that because they feel like that's me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they love yeah. it. They they buy into it. So I think there's going to be a huge, huge push towards more sales media.
1: Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's an idea that I haven't thought of, but now that I'm thinking about it after after your prompting there. That um,
0: socialsaleslinktv.com. There you go.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, some it, it's 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 funny because there was a time when I was working on something uh, for TikTok specifically, and I dropped it. And now I think I may bring it back, but I want to do something like Law and Order Social Selling Unit. There you go. Yeah and and you know come up with like um you know failed failed sales outreach things and then show how social selling is better or you know something like that i am it was in the beginning stages as you could probably tell but i mean you know come up with that hook where the couple comes up on the dead body except instead of that it is um you know, someone opening up their LinkedIn and seeing an awful pitch or something like that and, you know, taking it from, from there. But I mean, I could see, and obviously that's just one little idea, but, you know, all of these different ways to do edutainment, which is what we did another podcast on recently edutainment to really promote what you're doing and to, um, and to educate people as well. So that, you know, again,
0: you'll be seen as a funny expert, but you'll be seen as an expert nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, in my SDR to AE program, you can listen to my sales podcast for free or my founders podcast if you want. I have free content. But part of what you get in the program, aside from the training and the group coaching and all that other stuff, is you get access to content that we don't publish on TikTok that is entertaining. Uh, you also like behind the scenes stuff that maybe sales leaders don't want to say about how to actually get promoted to AE that they don't want to say publicly online because it's about playing the game. Um, right. But they'll say to a private audience. Uh, You get access to also a podcast, a video podcast that is bite-sized content, five to 10 minute episodes every two, every, well, it's two days a week. So every three days, just about. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the paid content monthly that you're getting though. So there's a version of that that we already have. Now I would love to have like my own streaming platform, but there you go. You know, 4 dollars a yeah. month with ads, $12.99 without ads. <laughs> and then you my can God. sell sponsorships <laughs> to others, other channel partners. You know what I mean? Hey, we integrate to the sales engagement platform. They can pay us five grand a month to run ads on this version of our, of our edutainment platform, you know, that we have that yeah. we supplement. I, I really do think that media... And I'm already seeing a lot of people, I'm in I'm in Los Angeles, so I'm seeing a lot of people that work sure. in the entertainment industry and the media industry move into marketing teams at B2B companies because they're like trying to scale up those efforts and figure out, okay, how does Viacom do it, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think we're going to ahead, go ahead and wrap up, but we always uh, end with uh with my traditional question and that's you know everybody loves those one thing you can do right now takeaways. so what's the one thing that we all as sales people can do right now to ensure consistent uh consistent messaging um uh genuine messaging I mean however you want to take that but I mean if you had like one piece of advice that someone
0: could like just go out immediately and just jump all over what would that be so sales leaders should be doing this, but sometimes we know that reps work at companies where their sales leaders already have enough on their plate, or this is just not something that they're going to do. It's like when you talk to a sales rep and you're like, well, what's your sales engagement platform? Like, we just work out of our CRM. And you're like, what? How do we even do that if you're doing outbound sales? Blows your mind, right? But yep. sales leaders, you should be doing this. If not, then sales reps, you should be doing this. But if you're trying to figure out how do I create consistent brand messaging? How do I can cre- create consistent message resonance with my buyer personas? Go talk to five CS people. Go listen to five QBR calls. Go to marketing and talk to five people in marketing or have five conversations with marketing if it's a one or two person department, if you're in like a startup. See what marketing is saying about what they think your buyer persona is. See what the real world scenario as it pertains to your product or services from CSMs. Marry the two, eat the fish, spit out the bones. That's your perfect world. I think not enough people do that. Salespeople start and they talk to other salespeople about how to be the best. Do you think if I'm a, competitive, if I'm a competitive colleague who's either an eight year in SDR, I'm going to tell you my secret sauce. Heck no. We wish right. those were all the people, but Simon Sinek has a great talk about this high performer, high trust. You can find that person by going into any team and asking who's the a hole, right? And that person's not going to share their secrets of success with you. So in order to get that, it baffles me that not enough salespeople and sales leaders go get input from the people that are working on the other two sides of the spectrum or the person that they're trying to tell a what? A before and after bridge story framework. When we talk about storytelling and sales, you're talking about current state versus desired future state. CS works with desired future state. Marketing works with before state. You're the one that's telling the story in the middle. Go talk to the two different departments, figure out the story, find a healthy medium, and then portray that to your buyer persona and your outreach and in your sales conversations. What an awesome way to wrap up this episode,
1: except for. If people want to learn more about you and your offerings chat where can they go
0: linkedin is a good spot you can also check everything out on my website Uh, we have all of our resources free downloads um, you have to go to linkedin to get access to like the programs that we offer we don't put those on the website the website is more b2b facing so mm. I do recommend just going to LinkedIn. But if you want to look at all the resources, the podcasts, the downloads, the ebooks, the blogs, the webinars, all that stuff, you can just go to my website. But I would recommend just connect with me on LinkedIn. If you don't send me a spammy message, I accept any connection request that's relevant when you're trying to learn. Um, there's a reason I'm not a huge, I don't have a huge following because I do say no to a lot of them. But if it's relevant, you said, hey, I listen to you on you know, social sales link, want to connect with you, send me a message. I'll, I respond to most DMs if they're relevant. Sounds great. Sounds great. And. Also a great
1: message about, about just leaving the spam alone too. That's what everybody should do. So with that, <laughs> sales doctor, Chet Logren, thanks for joining us and giving us the prescription for sales messaging. And thank you for streaming this episode of Making Sales Social. So remember when you're out and about this week, be sure to make your sales social. Don't miss an episode. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. Register for free resources at linkedinlibrary.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com for more information.